When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. It is NCAA tournament time officially. On Sunday, the NCAA revealed the 68-team bracket. UConn is in Bridgeport. As we expected going in there, the two-seed with NC State as the one, it all pretty much unfolded like we expected. UConn pretty much deserves it too. It's not like... They got put there exclusively because of the ticket sales or because of the proximity to home or because of some UConn bias. The S-curve dictated that UConn should go to Bridgeport. You weren't going to send them in Greensboro and punish South Carolina. Didn't really make sense to send them to Spokane because Stanford is on another level too. And then it would have been honestly it probably would have been more beneficial if you sent them to wichita where louisville was the number one so people would have found a way to complain one way or another but i think it does help that the math worked out to send uconn to bridgeport and it helps ticket sales it helps really just the growth of the game because no one wants to watch an empty arena where no one's going to be there now uconn fans aren't mad there's no uproar over buying tickets for games that you don't want to go to now it worked out for everyone except NC State. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it came pretty clear, really, the beginning of the kind of like Big Ten, and I think it was like ACC tournament, or I forget who turned, or the SEC tournament, when a bunch of teams lost, that UConn was very quickly moving up into that uh, kind of sixth spot in the S curve, which would have landed them in Bridgeport, assuming NC State hung on to that third seed, which they, or third overall seed, which they did, and they end up where they should have, and yeah, it sucks for NC State, but I mean, if you're going to win a national championship, you're going to have to play a team on UConn's level anyway, so it is what it is. Yeah, it was amazing watching the championship week unfold, where you looked at the teams that were ahead of UConn, and it was almost one by one. Each of them started to fall, and it wasn't like they were losing in championship games or to other teams in that ranking. They were getting upset by teams that weren't really in the same sphere as them, whether it be Louisville and Miami or even South Carolina and Kentucky to a certain degree. I know there's other ones. I'm blanking on them right now, but it really did work out for UConn. And I imagine there's probably an aspect of UConn getting the bump of playing really well with everyone back. You can maybe forgive them for one of a couple of their early season losses. And I think that probably plays a factor considering they didn't really have that many great wins. If you credit a lot of the losses, the injuries, it makes the resume look a lot better. Their net ranking was really good. People are always going to complain about where UConn is seated, no matter what, now that the big East is in a power conference, but sixth 
does feel pretty appropriate considering everything that happened this season from the injuries, the underperformance that still was there, even with the injuries, the losses they had, all those sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, things shook out well for them and that the teams ahead of them started losing. I think it would have been a harder battle for them to climb to that six over all spot had like Michigan and LSU not lost in their first round of their conference tournaments, but they did. And then UConn took care of business in the Big East. I think that was the other piece of it. How not just UConn winning the Big East, but how they won the Big East and beating Villanova by 30 points is exactly the how that they needed to kind of move up there. Definitely. And Big East gets four teams in the NCAA tournament. All the talk during the Big East tournament was how the Big East doesn't get the respect it deserves and how it's such a better conference and Villanova better be in the NCAA tournament. Well, Villanova made it. They're an 11 seed. They're playing BYU in the Wichita regional where Louisville's the number one seed. Creighton made it. They're the number 10 seed playing seven seed Colorado in the Greensboro regional where South Carolina is with presumably Iowa and Caitlin Clark waiting in the second round if they win. Then DePaul snuck in as one of the last four teams in an 11 seed. They are playing tonight on Wednesday against Dayton for the chance to be in the field of 64 where they would play Georgia if they win. So Selection Sunday went very, very well for the Big East after so much air was used talking about how they aren't getting the respect they deserve. I think they got exactly the amount of respect that they deserved. Yeah, agreed. I was, I think DePaul was in kind of that first region that they revealed. And I was like, once I thought DePaul was in, I was like, well, Nova has to be in now. So it felt like they were going to get the four in. But I think it was great to see that DePaul got in there and Villanova got in there. Though the 11 still feels a little low for Nova for me, but we we can get to that. But at least they got all four in. If you're going to be a lower seed, though, I feel like an 11 is pretty good to be because if you're a 10, then you've got the two seed waiting for you right there, right off the bat. If you're a 12, then I mean, the 12 isn't bad, but you're a spot lower. So you're playing a team better. I think you'd probably rather be an 11 than a 10. In my, in my opinion, I'd rather be an 11 than a 10, especially, I don't think Georgia's all that impressive, especially the way they flamed out of the tournament last year. I think Villanova might be just as good of a team as BYU. Mm -hmm. So seeds are pretty different, but I think BYU or Villanova could absolutely win that matchup. Yeah, BYU is a good team, but Villanova has Maddie Seagrist and there's no play on BYU that's at that level. Right. So UConn will play Southern Conference champion Mercer, a good low major program. They made the NCAA tournament last year, lost to South Carolina. They've made the NCAA tournament on a pretty consistent basis. But it's also a 15 seed. That's not going to be a game that UConn has any trouble with. Tip off on Saturday at 1 p.m. An ABC tip off, which I thought was a little interesting. UConn does seem to be getting on ABC a pretty good amount. There was obviously the Sweet 16 game against Iowa last year was ABC. The fact that, am I remembering right? That was the first women's basketball game on ABC, right? Yes, I believe it was. Or at least in like 10 years or something, but I think it might have been the first ever. I know there was one with Fox that was the first ever. I'm not sure if CBS was too, but still to go from, you need to have this generational matchup between Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers to get on ABC to now, yeah, UConn's blowout first round matchup is going to be on ABC. I feel like that's pretty significant progress in just a single calendar year. 
Yeah, and then I believe the Tennessee Buffalo game is also on ABC that day. So two first round matchups on ABC. And then I don't think the TV designations have been named for the rest of them, right? So it no, should I don't think be only more time for the rest of them yet. So yeah, no. Uh, no yeah, good point. So should be more games on ABC. You'd hope that the final four games, I think the championship's already been announced to definitely be ESPN, right? I believe so. I think yeah. that one's set. But maybe you get final four or the Elite Eight, a couple of the Elite Eight games. Just continues growing the game. UConn is going to play the winner of seven seed UCF, a former conference row, and 10 seed Florida. UCF has the best defense in the country, at least statistically, according to points per game. They swept the American this season, won the regular season and tournament. They went 3-0 against SF, who is a nine seed in the Greensboro Regional. Good chance they get a shot at South Carolina in the second round. I think UCF is should be a pretty heavy favorite to advance out of the first round, especially because Florida is going to be without its best player for the rest of the season. And I think they're going to be a really good test for UConn in the second round. But I also don't see this being a game that's going to give UConn. It'll give them some trouble, but I don't think it's going to be a remote upset possibility. Yeah, I think it's going to be a tough matchup for their offense, and we'll get a really good look at how much better the Huskies' offense is based on what they're able to do against UCF. Like you said, first in points per game defense, or um, defense, and then if you look at her hoop stats defensive rating, which suggests for like strengths of schedule, they're still third. So really strong defensive team, but then they also only score 60 points per game. So I don't think UConn's going to have a problem outscoring them, but it will be good, I think, to see – what UConn's offense can do against one of the best defenses in the country and will be kind of honestly like a good test of like if UConn gets to a point where they face like a South Carolina that has a really strong defense what could that offense look like South or Central Florida has gotten over 70 points twice this season (laughs) that is not an offense that's well equipped to go up against a defense especially a UConn defense playing as well as it is right now UConn could probably get held to 50 points, and I can't imagine UCF scoring 30 or 40 on them. I just don't see any way that UCF is going to have the firepower, is going to have the scoring ability to put up enough points on UConn while also completely shutting down UConn's defense because UCF could play really good defense, and if it leaves half an inch of space open for AZ Fudge, she could hit three threes in a row and suddenly it's a nine point game and it might take UCF 10 minutes to score those nine points. <laughs> so as tough as they are defensively, I think UConn is just really well equipped to deal with a tough defense and they have so many different options to try and attack them. You could try and get it inside to Olivia Nelson, Adota, Aaliyah Edwards and Dorky Uhas. You can shoot it outside with AZ Fudd and Kristen Williams, who's been shooting really well recently, and Avina Westbrook and Paige Beckers, and to a certain degree, Caroline Ducharme, even though she hasn't played super well. You can try and get to the basket. You can settle for those mid-range jumpers. It will be a very good test for UConn's offense and a really good measuring stick. I still don't really imagine they're going to completely stone UConn and make UConn's life so miserable that it would be an upset territory. I still think UConn probably at worst gets over 60 points and I don't really see UCF maybe getting to 50, but 
even that feels like it could be pushing it. Yeah, exactly. I don't really think it's much of an upset potential just because, like you said, UCF really doesn't have the firepower, I think, to overtake the Huskies. But I think we'll learn a lot from the game in terms of where UConn's offense is at because I think especially in the Big East tournament, the defense is exactly where it needs to be, but the offense at times was not exactly where it needs to be, and we'll kind of see how that's progressed against a team like UCF. It might not be as evident against Mercer, but I mean, Mercer is also a pretty strong defensive team. Obviously, some grain of salt here because of strength of schedule that they've played, but they're 11th in the nation in field cold defense, so pretty solid defensively as well. I think the other thing that's, I don't know if good is the right word, but it's going to be a good test for UConn is we know from the time UConn played in the NCAA or the AAC that they are a physical team. They are not concerned with playing the most attractive basketball that we've ever seen. It's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a tough game. If UConn comes out with a win without any injuries, it doesn't matter what the result is. That is positive. That is all you can ask for. And you move on to the next round regardless, because UCF is not going to let UConn through, even if they're getting blown out, you almost probably don't want UConn to blow them out. You'd probably rather have it be a 10, 15 point game where then they're not going to start taking shots or you're not worried about a potential injury. It's just, you play the game, you get through And in this case, you literally survive in advance. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Looking at the rest of the region, it's a pretty interesting region. Obviously, NC State at number one. And I think the first thing to talk about with NC State is this current class, group, era, whatever you want to call it that they're in. It's been very good the last few years at consistently underperforming in the NCAA tournament. They've had so much hype throughout each of these regular seasons. They've won three straight AAC titles in or AAC tournament titles, and they have very little NCAA tournament success to show for it. They got to the sweet 16 each of the last three years, but they haven't been to the elite eight despite being a decently high seeded team. So I don't know about you, but NC state just doesn't really strike a ton of fear in my opinion. I think they're a good team this year, but I also thought they were a good team last year. So like, we'll see, I guess. Um, I mean, Kanane has not been the like all American level player that she was last year. I know she was second team all American today, but she hasn't been playing at the, the level she was last year, but I think they have more pieces and more depth than they did last year, which could be enough to get them over the hump to the elite eight, but we will see. I mean, It depends who they have to play in that path too. I don't like, I'm not totally overwhelmed by the rest of the teams on their half of the bracket. And I think there's a lot of upsets that could happen before they even have to reach a team like NC state. Right. We were talking about this before the show and we'll look at the rest of the bracket later, but it almost feels like some of the lower seeds are more enticing than the higher seeds, just because like to use Oregon as an example, what has Oregon really shown when they've been fully healthy that makes you feel like they're going to go on a run here? They've been pretty underwhelming since they've had everyone healthy. Same thing with Tennessee. Same thing with really any team that's in the Big Ten. It's hard to feel that strongly about, honestly, anyone in the field. <laughs> that, yeah. that extends to UConn, that extends to Stanford, that extends to South Carolina. It's a tough bracket to pick, but 
I, I'm with you. It's NC State doesn't seem like they're anything special, but who's going to really stand in their way to getting to at least the Elite Eight? Yeah, which I'm sure someone will meet our, make us eat our words on that. <laughs> we'll upset them, but... I mean, I haven't made my bracket yet, but I'm still not convinced I'm going to put them in the Elite Eight. <laughs> also, I have, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was no. going to say, I have them there now just because like, I don't really know who to pick over them. Yeah, and I was really surprised at the percentages that Her Hoop Stats was giving NC State to win on a neutral court. It was something like 60%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is pretty high, but then if you look at, the interesting thing is if you look at it compared to like the home court, because it's a very small margin, it's like 60%, but it's only like a one point margin, I think. And I think it was if, three points. Okay, three points. Oh yeah, it's one point. But then if you swing to a home court, which is more what Bridgeport will be for UConn, it actually gives UConn a one point advantage and I think like a 55% chance of winning. I still feel like that's kind of low. I don't know, maybe I'm underrating NC State, but... They just yeah, don't do it for partially me. that, and partially the fact that, like, as much as like it feels like her hoop says is high on UConn because it has them fourth. Like, if you consider their stats for the season, it's still probably underestimates them because most of those stats are without Paige and without various other pieces. Right, and you know, I think we'll learn a lot more by the Elite Eight. But if UConn continues playing the way that it did in the Big East tournament, and Paige Becker is going to be more of a factor. NC State really have the defense to stop that offense when it's operating at its full potential, especially because we didn't even see that during the Big East tournament. So UConn could be an elite defensive team. I think actually, I think you can argue that they are an elite defensive team. I think they've proven that at this point. If they can get their offense to even 75% of that same level, they have so many options that it's a really tough offense to stop. So maybe it's just more my optimism on what UConn can look like through the regional rounds less than NC state, but I, I, I just, unless UConn, I think what I'm trying to say is I feel like if UConn gets knocked out before the final four, it's probably going to be something more related to the way UConn played than what another team did. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think if UConn is playing at the level that we saw in the Big East tournament and the offense comes along from that, I have a hard time seeing them get upset. There's also, you know, not that tough of a path in their way. It's the same way that it isn't for NC State, but let's look at the lower half of the bracket. Six seed Kentucky is playing 11 seed Princeton, who's led by Carla Berube. Kentucky, maybe you could speak to this more, but probably didn't need to get to win the SEC tournament to get in, but needed to win a few games in the SEC tournament to get in. They've got one of the best players in the country in Ryan Howard, but Princeton's a really good team, a well-coached team, a really good mid-major program that might be a little underseeded. As I said with Villanova, that 11 seed's kind of a nice game to be in if you think you're underseeded as an 11 seed. So that, I think, is going to be a pretty popular upset pick. Yeah, to me, I think, I mean, Kentucky had a great run through the SEC, but I don't think they're a six seed. I think they got overseeded from that kind of nice run at the end. Um, and then uh, Princeton to me, it's underseated at an 11. So it just, it feels like an easy um, upset pick. And then Indiana, Charlotte, I can't imagine Indiana loses to Charlotte three fourteen. but I know neither of us are all that high on the big 10 or any of the teams in it. 
precisely because as you like to say, no one in the big 10 plays any defense. Yeah, exactly. I just, I don't think they're a strong defensive league at all. Indiana is probably the best defensive team in the big 10, but that doesn't mean that I think Indiana is this like lockdown defensive team. They just actually play some defense and like a team like Iowa that like the defense is non-existent to probably put it nicely, honestly. <laughs> so I expect them to make it out of that first round, but I, I don't have high hopes for Indiana in this tournament. Could we get a UConn-UConn matchup in the Sweet 16? UConn <laughs> and Carla Berube's Princeton team? And there would be some nice storylines there. I think both Gino and Carla Berube would hate that, though. Yeah. <laughs> I would probably still pick Indiana over Princeton just on, like, a talent basis, but I wouldn't actually be that surprised if Princeton made it to the Sweet 16. I said this to you earlier, but honestly, I would be, like, more surprised if or the three or not three, sorry, the four, five, and six all make it to the round of 32 in this Bridgeport region than I would be if it was the 11, 12, and 13 all made it. <laughs> and if we look at the top half of the bracket now to get there, let's go backwards. Oklahoma, the four seed, IUPUI, the 13 seed. IUPUI is my number one upset pick in the tournament. That one's locked in. I haven't made my bracket yet, but I know I am picking IUPUI to win that game. Yeah, they have a great player in Macy Williams. She's fantastic to watch. And then, I mean, they, in like opening day of the season, almost upset Michigan at Michigan and then did upset Iowa earlier this season. So I, I also have that picked as an upset, but I'm not that high in Oklahoma and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see IUP I pull it off. What a name for a school. What's it even stand for? Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Nice. <laughs> that feels so unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm confused though. Is it so it's both Indiana and Purdue? Yeah, I'm also now confused. <laughs> I don't understand how that works. Purdue. I'm I'm very confused. <laughs> Didn't UConn play IUPUI in an exhibition or was that a different IUPUI? It had to be in a different IUPUI. So there's multiple IUPUIs then. Or that is even worse. Or they didn't play an IUPUI in the exhibition. It had like one different letter. <laughs> that could be. I mean, are there like multiple? Yeah, parent institutions are both Indiana and Purdue. I'm very confused by that, but okay. How does that How work? Does that work? One public school and <laughs> private school as your parent institutions? <laughs> I don't know. How do they this is way too much. I'm so, okay, it doesn't matter. But anyway... <laughs> It, it doesn't, but it's still is going to be something that I spend way too much time researching later tonight. Yeah, I might have to go look at their, like, how they charge tuition. Okay, they have a very, very notable alumni, though. Who? Norman Bridwell, who you've know. definitely never heard of, but he is the author and the illustrator of Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, okay, yes. So very that cool. is... If that's not a great alumni to have. Also, George Hill went there, former NBA player. Interesting. Anyways, back on topic, away from IUPUI. The 5-12 matchup is also interesting. Another New England team, Massachusetts, a nice little Cinderella run through the A-10 tournament. They are the 12 seed playing 5-seed Notre Dame. And again, as I feel like I've said with a lot of these big-name teams, I feel like Notre Dame's been kind of underwhelming this year. Yeah, I thought they started out well, but they kind of nosedive a little bit, especially with that really bad loss to Louisville at the end of the season. 
Snell just get in here as a five because there just seems to be an under, overwhelming sense of teams being underwhelming. But UMass is also a team that was really, really good to start the season. There was a few good teams in the A-10 this year, so they kind of beat each other up a little bit. But I mean, a good program. I'm not picking that upset because putting the 12 and the 13 feels a little excessive. But like I would also be shocked if, it, if that upset happened either. See, I'm not sure how to feel about UMass because I don't think I really like UMass, even though they're like a local team and like, it's good for the program, but it's more of like an institutional thing. It's, it's a little hard for me to root for UMass, honestly. I don't know why. Maybe that's just a personal <laughs> thing. Not, not maybe that definitely is a personal thing. I feel like there's like, there's not an actual basketball rivalry between you kind of UMass, but I feel like just like being from Connecticut, it's like. UMass, I don't know. <laughs> it's just there's there's always a general tension between the two yeah. that you can't really explain. I don't know, but oh, man, could two could two double digit seeds make the Sweet Sixteen in Bridgeport? Like, would it surprise you if IUPUI beat Notre Dame? A little bit, but not a lot. Like, it's any like I think this region is just like going to be very entertaining that's all I can tell of it I'm probably going to pick the wrong upsets but there will be upsets I think this entire tournament there's a world where like it's like the one four two and three in the sweet 16 but I also think there's a world where it's like the nine 13 11 and two because I don't think you guys gonna lose but okay if it could happen (laughs) what do you think is a better chance of happening multiple double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16 in Bridgeport or all the top four seeds in the Sweet 16 in Bridgeport? I'll still probably go with all... No, I'm not not high enough on Oklahoma. I think (laughs) I think multiple double-digit seeds is more likely. I was just going to say, I am all in on IUPUI. Like... (laughs) I'm fully convinced that they're going to win that game. So I don't think I could reasonably say that they're going to make a sweet 16. Oklahoma is going to make a sweet 16. If I don't even have them getting out of the first round, it will be a very interesting region though. The last game we didn't mention Washington state against Kansas state, Kansas state has one of the best players in the country in Ioka Lee. And that is about as much as I know about Kansas state. Yeah, I mean, she dropped 61 points on Oklahoma, by the way, <laughs> earlier this season. <laughs> um, yeah, they have – she is really solid in the post, and then they have a lot of freshmen. It's a very young team, but their, their freshmen are pretty good, and they're really good at getting her the ball, which I think when you have a player like Aokali, that's one of the most important things. You have players that can actually get her the ball. I think that if they advance and play NC State, that could be a really interesting game. I mean, you've got Kinane in the post for NC State, and then – leave for Kansas State but if Lee has one of those games she hasn't had one recently so it feels like she's due for one where she goes off for 45 points like that game could be very interesting especially if NC State starts getting a little tight from the three-point line and suddenly those shots aren't falling exactly yeah that's one to circle if it happens I think it almost feels like that's the best chance anyone has to knock off NC State before the Elite Eight right yeah, I kind of agree with that. I don't really see it being anyone from the Notre Dame, UMass, Oklahoma, IUPUI group. So I think if they can get past the Kansas State, they probably make the Elite Eight. But yeah, I think that game could be tough. I think out of principle, I have to pick 
Kansas State just because I spent so much time talking about how NC State's underwhelming. <laughs> but imagine if UConn played Notre Dame in like the Elite Eight in Bridgeport. That would be kind of funny. <laughs> that would be great television. Yeah. With nothing that else. would probably make ABC. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want that to happen. That would be and now, now that's what I want to happen to. <laughs> right. Like part of me now wants to pick IUPUI for the Sweet 16, but you know, the, the idea of Notre Dame, it was just like last year's NCAA tournament where there was a possibility that UConn and Tennessee could have met in the Elite Eight, I think it was. Something like or that. Or was it yeah. Sweets? Yeah, it was Elite Eight. It didn't happen. Didn't Tennessee lose really early in that tournament and it never even came close to materializing, but could have a nice fun uh, rivalry game in the elite eight. And it would benefit all UConn fans planning to go to Minneapolis if they make it. Cause you could just book your tickets ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> Cause there's true. no chance UConn would lose that game. None. Yeah. There's just the added like notion of it being Notre Dame, but there's no way. <laughs> I honestly, besides NC State, I think it would take one of the biggest upsets in the history of women's college basketball for UConn not to make the final four out of this region, right? Yeah, I think if anyone else upsets on that would be a very big upset. I would be shocked. NC There's State, just, it is what it is, but yeah, like the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, if if you lose to the one seed in your regional, that I mean, yeah, it probably still, I guarantee you someone will call it an upset when they get, if they get beat by NC State. I mean, to a certain degree, I think it would be, even though yeah. NC State yeah. is the one seed, because they'd essentially be playing a road game. Yeah, that's true. That's but, I mean, the more I look at this bracket, the more I'm not impressed by anyone in the country at all. Yep. <laughs> just. I'm just rooting Parody, I guess. <laughs> Like it, it doesn't even feel right to call it parody because it more just feels like it's a bunch of meh instead of it's like, wow, everyone's really good this year. Yeah. So let's go, let's go uh, region by region looking at you know, who we think are some of the favorites in each region, what teams we like out of the other ones. Let's stay on the right side of the bracket, the top right of the bracket, Spokane. Stanford's the one seed. Texas is the two seed. LSU is the three seed. Maryland is the four seed. I like Stanford just in general. I think Stanford is probably the second best team in the country, and you could probably make an argument for them being the best team in the country, at least playing the best in the country right now, entering the NCAA tournament, ignoring UConn, because I think UConn's just a very weird case. Aside from that, this is another one that just feels very wide open. Yeah, I would agree. I am also pretty high on Stanford. I think, especially when you look at, they had some like losses early in the season. They were figuring things out without Keanu Williams. The last time they lost was to South Carolina at South Carolina by five, four points, four points. And they're definitely a better team than they were in that game by a long shot. They just blew through the Pac-12. Um, so Stanford's a very good team. I, I like would be pretty surprised that they're not the ones to emerge from this region. But yeah, other than that, I mean, Texas just won the big 12, which is a, a big win, but they're defensively so good, but their ability to score the basketball tends to waver. And they basically won the big 12 tournament because a freshman went off. So the fact if the chance of that staying consistent, I don't know. 
the Vic Schaefer special. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent defense. You kind of hope the rest figures itself out. Yeah. I mean, Vic Schaefer is a great coach, so I'd probably put them in that elite game with Stanford because I'm just underwhelmed by the rest of the teams on their half of that bracket, but... Agreed. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mean that as a knock on Vic Schaefer. I, I am I do think he is a really good coach. And his defenses are very, very tough, which allows them to be so good. But it is funny how there seems to be a pattern there. Maryland is a really interesting case because you could probably argue they're in the top five of one of the most talented teams in the country. And they just haven't seemed to be able to figure it out this season. Injuries were kind of a factor in that they still have had everyone back and haven't put it together. So I could see them being a team that goes on a run. And I could also see them being a team that loses in the first round to Delaware. Yeah. Agreed. I think, I think they have everyone back now, but I think Ashley Owusu is still not fully healthy, which is a big part of what they do, but agree. They're a team that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me this year. They've had a lot of ups and downs and some of it has certainly been from injuries, but other parts of it just don't really make any sense so I think it's just going to matter what version of the team they bring to the NCAA tournament and then LSU is the three I've just Kim Mulkey obviously I think is proving herself as a great coach at LSU I don't see either Ohio State or the winner of Missouri State or Florida State standing in their way of getting to the sweet 16 so I think they probably get to the sweet 16 but I don't think they beat Texas I just think they've played above their level for most of the season and it's finally going to end when they go up against Texas. Yeah. That's kind of where I see them too. I think Mulkley has clearly done a great job with this team. It's not a team. I think anyone would have picked at the beginning of the season to be a three seed in the NCAA tournament, but yeah, I think they'll hit a wall when they get to Texas and that will kind of be the end of their season, but it should be fun to watch Kim Mulkey and Vic Schaefer coach against each other. Yeah, definitely. I'm picking Stanford out of that region. You picking Stanford out of that region? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's go over to Greensboro. So the South Carolina region, South Carolina is the one Caitlin Clark and Iowa are the two Iowa state is the three and Arizona is the four. I've had this feeling all season long that South Carolina might get knocked out before the final four, but for the life of me, I just can't figure out who would do it. Well, yeah, I just don't see it in this region. I mean, we've already talked about my feelings about Iowa's defense. I think if you don't play defense on Aaliyah Boston, you're probably going to have a problem. So <laughs> I don't yeah. even know. Also, if- the fact that Iowa's offense is so good, but they've played mostly Big Ten teams that don't play any defense. So I don't think their offense is going to look quite as nice against South Carolina. I don't even know if Iowa could get to the Elite Eight. It feels like a bit of a tall task for them anyways yeah, to get that to that point. Potential Iowa State matchup, which is fun, like, in-state battle. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I would laugh if, like, Creighton upset them. That would be really funny. <laughs> Creighton's a good team. I don't. They think are a good that's... team. It would just be funny because everyone, like, rags on the Big East so much. <laughs> like, Creighton upset Iowa that everyone's obsessed with. It would be really funny. <laughs> I really don't think that's – out of the realm of possibility yeah i don't i'm not gonna pick it but it would wouldn't be entirely shocking we'll see and then iowa state i think 
they kind of fall into the category of like everyone else, good team that on a good night is tough to beat, but can probably also get in their way and lose pretty early. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think their team has been good all season, but they've had a hard time beating like other really good teams. Like Baylor just beat them by 30 points a couple weeks ago. But if you look at their overall record, it's pretty solid. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what version comes out. Um, They did beat Iowa earlier this season, actually. It's probably their like one signature win is the win for Iowa. And if the seeds hold, that would be the Sweet 16 matchup in Greensboro which I think would be a pretty good game. Agreed. I think that would be a great game. Good fun with the in-state rivalry should be a good matchup. Then the Georgia against the winner of the play-in game against Dayton and DePaul. If DePaul wins that game, actually even Dayton too, I think Dayton's a decent team. I kind of like them against Georgia. Yeah, I've been flipping back and forth on whether to pick this one. I think if DePaul wins it, I'm going to pick DePaul. Um, if Dayton, I'm not as sure, but yeah, George is just a team that hasn't been great lately. I like Anissa Moore's odds to put up like 30 and 20 on Georgia. Also, Georgia flamed out very early last year and they had a much better team. Agreed. So we will see, but not a team that I'm super high on going into this, this tournament. What do you think about Arizona and North Carolina, which should be the second round matchup, barring something weird, right? Yeah, exactly. Arizona, to me, they've been struggling as of late. They were without Kate Reese, so that's certainly part of it. I think their struggles are beyond just Kate Reese. They're just a team that I have been much lower on than than most people all season long. Like There was that time when they were like a top four team in the country, which was ridiculous. They just hadn't played anyone at all since their like opening game I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of just get knocked out early on I feel like yeah I just I just wouldn't be surprised they lost in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament I believe to Utah was it to Utah I think it was to Utah I'm pretty sure UCLA beat them late on in the regular season a team I think that's very capable of being upset yeah I feel the same way it's just a very easy path for south carolina to the final four they'll, they'll play the winner of miami who went on a run to the acc championship and south florida i kind of like usf in that game honestly i think miami might have run out of its magic a little bit um or they, it, miami didn't make a run to win the acc tournament they made a run to the final yeah they made so, a run to the final I could see that. I also think Miami is a pretty good team. They've early, even on in the season when they were playing, I think that tournament down in the Bahamas that had uh, Stanford and Indiana of sorts in it. They didn't really beat anyone major, but they hung around with teams. But I think they're a little bit better team than they get credit for. But I also think South Florida is a team that's capable of maybe getting a little bit more back to what we saw from them earlier in the season and making a run. Not Well, not a run because they have to play South Carolina in the next game, so. I retract that statement, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that one's as close to a coin flip as it gets, though. It could go either way. Yeah, it'll be a good game. I don't see any team, either team challenging South Carolina much, but you never know. (laughs) I mean, they lost 
South Carolina just lost to a Kentucky team that is a six seed, but is probably more likely an actual like eight or nine seed level team. They've lost to a Mizzou team that didn't make the conference or make the tournament. So you just, you never know. Well, South Carolina went what, like 11 and 0 against teams in the top 10. Maybe their kryptonite is just teams that suck. I feel like that is almost concerning. Probably like an underestimating your opponent problem, but yeah. Hey, who knows? Maybe the winner of Howard or Incarnate Word has a shot. (laughs) That would be something. If we saw a 16 seed win a game, that would really be something. (laughs) I think we would have the greatest podcast of all time after that game. I mean, if South Carolina lost to a 16 seed, I feel like we have to have an emergency podcast. Like, that's just like, got to talk about it. What excuse do you think Don Staley would use after that game? Like she, she wouldn't pull out the balls again, that it was a different brand of balls, but you know, you know what it would be. This is exactly what it would be. She would say that the 16 seed had the advantage because they had already just played a game. So they had that experience under their belt, whereas South Carolina had to wait for 10 days. That would absolutely be it. Yep. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I don't think that that's would, happening. I will no say if that happens. <laughs> I I don't At home, nonetheless. Think so. Yeah, no, one hundred percent does not happening. It would be hilarious though. It would be hysterical. That nothing in this tournament could be funnier than South Carolina losing to a sixteen seed. Honestly, nothing, nothing would be funnier than South Carolina losing before the regionals period. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. But like, a sixteen seed would be like a different level of funny. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's look at the last region. Let ground ourselves back in reality here. <laughs> Wichita, Louisville is the one. Baylor is the two. Michigan is the three. Tennessee is the four. Please convince me not to pick the lower seeded team in every single matchup except Louisville, Baylor, and Michigan because I really want to. <laughs> well, I pick Tennessee to lose so I'm not going to see you there in the first round I think Buffalo is a really good team they have a great player in Deja Fair I don't think Tennessee is going to have Jordan Horston back this weekend like nothing has been announced that convinces me that we are seeing Jordan Horston this weekend which makes them I think a a good candidate for an upset also Um, also Felicia Legette Jack has gone on some runs in the NCAA tournament with Buffalo before yeah they're always a good team. They're all, like a consistent tournament team, always a good team. I, I kind of like them in this matchup if they don't have Horston. Same. I like them in general. I just don't yeah. think Tennessee's that good even with Horston. Agreed. I mean, they lost to a UConn team that didn't have Caroline Ducharme, Paige Beckers. Who else was out for that game? I don't know. Dorka, maybe? I don't even know. <laughs> no, I think that was Dorka's first game back. Ah, okay. But um, yes. Still just I, those two. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually a little high on Oregon just because I think Kelly Graves is a great coach and I think they could pull things together, especially after that Pac-12 loss. And also I'm just like not that high on any other team in this bracket. So I actually have Oregon going all the way to the Elite Eight. But Belmont is also a really good mid-major team and like could squash that in the first round. So we'll see. You gotta pick, you have to pick someone to put in the Elite Eight and I didn't really want to pull Louisville there. So Oregon it is. <laughs> See, Louisville's my pick for the final four out of this region. I I don't, this is not an endorsement of Louisville. 
I just think the path for them is easy and they're going to be fired up after getting upset in the ACC tournament. Fair. It's fair. I also love Jeff Walls. So I hope we get to see him at the final four. Yeah. The best, of course, <laughs> the best. Oregon. I don't like, they could really go either way. They're a team that's going to either, I think like make a pretty good run or they're going to like flop in the first or second round. I used to be a big Kelly Graves guy. I think I might be slowly coming out on Kelly Graves. I don't know if he's actually, I think he's a good coach. Mm-hmm. I don't think he coaches as, I don't think his teams are ever as good as they should be with the talent that they have. I mean, that senior year Sabrina Ionescu team never so should have lost awesome. a game. Never. This team's underperformed. And like, yeah, they did have injuries. It's a factor, but you know, so did UConn. And no one's Gino either, but I don't know. The more we get away from the Sabrina Ionescu era for Oregon, the less sold I am on Kelly Graves. Then mentioned this earlier, but Villanova being an 11, I like Villanova. I think they're I have good Villanova team. in the sweet 16 because apparently I'm just full of hot takes in this region. <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, we get we come back to it. Michigan's the three seed. Big 12 doesn't play defense or Big 10 doesn't play defense. How are you going to stop Maddie Segrist? Yeah, regardless, I like that Michigan Villanova game if we get it because I think Maddie Segrist and Naz Hellman against each other is going to be a lot of fun. But I, I like this Villanova team. I think they're better than they get credit for. And I think Maddie Segrist is really, really good and can make Villanova make a little bit of noise in this tournament. So if you currently have Oregon making the elite eight, I'm assuming that Baylor is the other representative there. And then you have Baylor making the final four. Yep. See, I'm just the way Baylor got smacked in the big 10 championship game. I don't know. That made me feel some type of way. I think they still probably make the elite eight. I don't see anyone that stands in their way of doing that, but that's just why I like Louisville to the final four. Cause I think, I mean, Nolissa Smith is a difference maker, and I think she's a better player than anyone on Louisville. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Louisville has a great matchup for her. But I don't know. I, I just don't think this Baylor team has that it factor. And there's nothing to back that up other than a gut feeling from half watching the Big Ten championship game. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think Nolissa Smith is really, really good, but th- there's just not as much talent around her to kind of make it this team great but I also just think this region is so weak like <laughs> I think like having yeah Louisville is the one I don't know like I'm glad you kind of is in Bridgeport at the same time but like if you put them in Wichita they would have like ran through this <laughs> yeah although say what you want about Louisville a lot of the season they've just kind of figured it out when it doesn't really make sense yeah like, it, it doesn't make sense they're as good as that they shouldn't be a one seed even though they've deserved it. Like it doesn't make sense that they're a one seed based on everything we thought about this team. Yeah. They haven't lost game. I'll give them that. They found a way to win a lot of games. So I I don't know. I feel like the one thing Louisville really lacks is size. And I could see that Melissa Smith size could be just too much for them to handle. Well, I don't have them getting there, but if, that is <laughs> that is the matchup yes so yeah. we don't need to make grand predictions and things of that nature but who's your final four yeah so my final four is 
South Carolina, Stanford, UConn, Baylor. Okay. Mine is only slightly different being South Carolina, Stanford, UConn, and Louisville, as I just mentioned. I'd love to have a hot take and say that South Carolina doesn't get there, but I really just don't see how that happens. I do not see. For all of my hot takes on like the first and second rounds, I don't have very many on the final four. No, it, it really fizzles out the further you go. Yeah. I feel like especially when you're picking a bracket, though, there's a lot more on the line on like picking the teams that are going to make it further. I'm like, if I'm going to like have Oklahoma lose in the second round anyway, it doesn't like cost me much to have them lose to IUPUI in the first round. <laughs> right. Might as well go for the upset pick and try and you know, get yourself up those bracket rankings. I think last year I picked two like historically bad brackets. <laughs> um, I, my problem, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how much I want to be talking about how horrible my bracket was the year before when my whole job is analyzing basketball. <laughs> but I think my problem is that I go too heavy in the upsets and I try and create a bracket that is so unique that I'm going to rack up all of those points when the team I picked to go on a run goes on a run and then they lose in the first round. And like the, suddenly one of my sweet 16 teams is done and only like five games have been played so far in the day. Yeah. I feel like that's my problem more so than anything else. I just try and be too cute with it. <laughs> I feel like it's all comes down to though, like, do you get your final four and you're like champion, right? Because there's just so many points on the line in those rounds. So there's still it's it's more I feel like that part. I don't know. Yeah. When you're in the I, men's bracket, I picked Michigan State to win it all the year that they got upset in the first round by a 14 seed or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've had those years before. I can't remember specifically what it was in. I don't remember what year it was, but one year in a, in a men's bracket, I should mention, I got an entire region except one second round matchup. Correct. Oh, wow. Some of my best work ever. It has been a disaster ever since then. <laughs> it was, it was bad last year. It was really bad. I need to make my men's bracket tonight. Cause that tournament starts tomorrow. No idea what I'm going to do. I haven't decided if I have UConn losing the second round or winning the national championship. And I feel like those are my only two options. I had them lose in the Sweet 16. I might as well have put them in the champion, winning the national championship because I've I've watched no men's college basketball this year outside of UConn. I have no idea what I was picking. I just randomly picked things. (sighs) See, I just, I I can't buy into this men's team. No, I I can't. I can't do it because they've, (laughs) been too inconsistent they've just they're just not there yet and that's fine I think this is where they should be in their development but I don't have enough faith in Adama Sanogo to be a dominant player every single game and I don't have enough faith in everyone not named RJ Cole and Tyrese Martin to be able to do what needs to be done to get them to win yeah exactly I think that was very evident in that Villanova game yeah. If they beat Villanova, I think they would have won the Big East championship. And if they won the Big East championship, I would 100% be sitting here telling you how they're going on a UConn March run. Also, we haven't even seen them win an NCAA three, Or more points on Friday. They would have won the national championship. Yes, 100%. No <laughs> doubt in my mind. Also, like, 
Dan Hurley's got to get his first NCAA tournament win at UConn. Yes. Not that I don't think he isn't going to do that, but like it's been one year. Yeah. Just got to see it with my own eyes first. Exactly. So I don't love, I I'm a Vermont basketball fan, very casual Vermont basketball fan, but I enjoy seeing them in the NCAA tournament. Very mad that they're probably going to play UConn in the second round. Yeah. That's kind of a fun matchup though. <laughs> it is. I hope, I don't think it'll happen, but Vermont's building a new basketball arena. Imagine if UConn went up there for a game. That would be awesome. That would be fun. They should. I feel like it's a quality opponent compared to some of the teams that we do play in the non-conference. Right. And it would be a nice little road trip for UConn fans. I think a lot of people would go up to that game. Yeah. Or if you had like a little... I this probably happens more in hockey than it does in basketball. Cause there's more, but like a lot of hockey teams will just like host tournaments during the holidays, like at their rink and oh. four teams will come in and they'll play each other in a quick little four team bracket, like something like that. But at Vermont, if you also invited, I don't know who are some other good mid-major programs around here, like I'm blanking on every single other team. Now, you, you know, <laughs> pick whatever two other, mid-major teams from new england or from the northeast that you want or maybe another like biggie uh, maybe not big like syracuse get syracuse involved yeah. and then someone else another mid-major team that's good from around here i'll go up to vermont play a little like four game series up there that would be great yeah that would be really fun they should do that we got the big money ideas we always do on this podcast <laughs> without do. fail no one ever takes them though <laughs> No, and we don't have the money to execute them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one day. <laughs> Before we wrap up, one last thing. The AP announced their All-American teams for the first time since 2007. UConn doesn't have anyone on the three of them. I don't think that's much of a surprise. If Kristen Williams made it, I wouldn't have been stunned, but I can understand why you wouldn't put her on. She was honorable mention. As was Paige Beckers. One person voted for Paige Beckers. As good as Paige Beckers was, and as much as we argued that she should have won National Player of the Year as she did, it is asinine to put Paige Beckers on an All-American list this season when she played, what, 11 games and wasn't even herself in those last five. So she played six games and you're going to make her an All-American. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I feel like a few of these um, honorable mention votes reserved to have votes retracted. Though I wonder if some of them came from the same person. <laughs> Maybe it's just like one person that shouldn't have their vote retracted. Make it public and let the public shaming begin. Yeah, honestly. It's like <laughs> I the baseball. Know who voted for Paige and who voted for Zyat Cook because there's some ridiculous picks. <laughs> I didn't realize that honorable mention is just anyone who gets a vote. Yeah. I thought like you could name players honorable mention, but no, it's just anyone who gets any vote, you're on. Yeah, seriously. Like, I just, I don't understand. Anyway, obviously, people are very displeased that she's on this list. I know they will somehow blame it on ESPN, but it is really one singular person's fault. <laughs> because people can't act rationally when it comes to page vectors or UConn. No. It's just impossible. <laughs> impossible. And like, 
when everybody is unanimously agreeing that Paige shouldn't be on, you don't have to go on some huge rant about like the Yukon bias or like whatever. It's just one person voted, made a very dumb decision with their vote. Yeah. It's not unusual for the AP voters. They are not infallible. Have you looked at the poll at all this season? I think that should tell you everything you need to know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> On that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. You can follow Megan on Twitter at Megan Gower. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel V. Connolly. Be sure to subscribe to the show, tell a friend, read the UConn blog, sign up for the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Megan, send us into the NCAA tournament. Happy March, everyone. <laughs>